Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, USA Today's managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, senior NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com, and we are going to get mad online today on the show. I love getting angry on the internet. I used to be that guy that scrapped with people on Twitter. Not anymore. I've kind of put the, the gloves away. But I do enjoy seeing the emotional swings of people on social media for things that are totally out of our control. A great example is uh, the Dolphins quarterback situation, for example. By the way, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah updated his mock draft and gave the Miami Dolphins one Justin Herbert at five Passing over Tua in the process. Tua on the board, Dolphins pick Herbert in Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock. Are you still with me or are you throwing something at the television? See, it's fun, right? Now listen, what we're going to do today on the show is we're going to explore scenarios that would make me mad online at the Miami Dolphins. Scenarios specifically in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft that I really would prefer, it's the key word, prefer not to see materialize. Uh, but with that said, it is completely out of our control. And no matter what the Dolphins choose to do, we have to choose to look at it from the spectrum of why did they do this? Why does it make sense? How does it end up working out? And let's go from there. So the quarterback situation is going to be the popular example that people are going to think of when I talk about what can the the Dolphins do to make you mad online. I'm of the school of thought that any quarterback that they choose to take, they took for a reason. What I am not a proponent of, what would make me mad online, is with the fifth overall pick, if they chose to go any other direction, Even if it's trading up for Joe Burrow, I am in support of the Dolphins using their first pick on a quarterback because that was the entire purpose and reason behind the rebuild was to say, okay, it's time to start from scratch. Let's reset the cap situation. Let's stock up on draft picks. We know going in, we're going to try and win games, but we know going in, we're not going to be a Super Bowl contender in 2019. But the purpose here, and Steve Ross alluded to it a couple times, the purpose here is to position ourselves to draft a quarterback early. So to get in this position, look at the people on the board and say, "Mm, nah, I'm just going to pick one at 18, or I'm going to wait another year until 2021. You're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is the only quarterback that I would risk it all for. And with that in mind, you also have to beat teams like the Carolina Panthers, who presumably would be very interested in Trevor Lawrence considering they're a brief drive up, I think, I-85 from Clemson. You don't want to get into a tank-off with another team. So 
Miami, you've got three quarterbacks that you have graded highly in Joe Burrow, Tua Tungo Valoa, and Justin Herbert. Draft one. Don't make this harder than it has to be, and don't get cute, because I've said this over the course of the last couple weeks. If the Miami Dolphins rebuild goes according to plan, this is not a team that is going to be in a position to draft highly and get a quarterback again next year. So what I'd prefer that they do, swing the bat, just like they did last year with the two at a discounted rate for Josh Rosen. They swung the bat on a guy with some physical potential, a good arm, wasn't ready. Obviously, taking a top five pick of your own is a huge difference in swinging the bat, and it's going to require a several-year investment. But the Arizona Cardinals have proven that if you swing and miss, it is not the doomsday scenario that it used to be because you can take your L, part ways, and capitalize if you find yourself. If the Dolphins were to take Justin Herbert and they didn't like what they saw, he couldn't beat out Fitzpatrick, didn't start, and this team somehow failed their way to the number one overall pick. Take Trevor Lawrence. Great. And there's going to be no film on Herbert, so you can do the same thing with Justin Herbert, hypothetically, presuming it's the absolute worst-case scenario and the team thinks he's a disaster by the time they get him in the building. Or Tua, for that matter. If they redshirt Tua, and the hip for Tua is not as good as everybody thought it was going to be once he gets into Miami's building. And this team goes off the rails and they get the first pick. Take Trevor Lawrence. Take good. This is a football team that you need to get the quarterback position right, and anytime you're in a position to do so and you don't have a definitive answer, swing the bat. So the fifth overall pick, definitively, they will upset me if they choose to go any other direction with their first pick, I should say. What about at 18? Because 18 is a complex and difficult spot to peg. I discussed this a little bit on the podcast yesterday, courtesy of one of our listeners, and I also discussed this today at USA Today's Dolphins Wire. 18 is a little bit of no man's land because I'm not really comfortable with the value of Josh Jones at 18, but I would get it because there's an odds, an odd, the odds are decent he doesn't get back to you at 26. But if you're going to move, why don't you move up and go get a tackle? If they stay put at 18, I'm not going to be angry with one of the big three wide receivers, whether it's Ruggs, Lamb, or Judy. I'm fine with it, even though it's not a position of need. I'd be good with one of the big four offensive tackles. I'd understand Josh Jones as a fifth option. I'd be mad online at a running back. Come on now, we got 26, 8, or 39. We might not see a running back go before either of those two spots. And we're kicking around the idea of, oh, maybe we'll take a running, maybe we'll take DeAndre Swift at 18. No, don't do that. Get an impact player at a high premium position that costs high dollar amount. Because getting those players on rookie deals is a huge deal. That is necessary. You don't want to pay a running back on that contract as a rookie versus an offensive tackle. Or somebody, because you, you knew what the Dolphins were paying Laramie Tunsil before they traded him. Part of the catalyst of trading it was, well, we're going to have to get ready here to pay Laramie Tunsil. We're not going to be ready to win for a few years, so let's maximize the assets and our flexibility with both cap space and personnel to more align with our winning window. 
I'd be mad online with a corner. Dolphins did not go out and spend record-setting money on Byron Jones to draft the starting outside corner at 18. Not unless you trade Xavier Howard. And if you trade Xavier Howard, you better get a top 50 pick and then some extra. That's a slippery slope. I don't feel real good about that. I would be mad online with a tight end because there's no tight ends worth first-round picks, in my opinion, this year. But that's about it. Like, if it's Zach Bond, I'm cool with it. If it's Cesar Ruiz, I'm cool with it. If it's one of the big three wide receivers, I'm cool with it. Offensive tackle, I'm cool. Just don't go running back or corner or tight end, a position that just does not have any value the first round at all. But I think the Dolphins at 18, the, the lack of players at an ideal position of need opens the door for them if they stay put. Just take a good football player, right? It's kind of like what we were talking about with the, the quarterback situation in 2020 versus 2021 just a couple minutes ago. If you're in a position to pick a good player, this is not a team that is at liberty to turn its nose up to good football players and just fill needs. If you've got a guy who was top 10 grade for you, and then you've got Josh Jones, and Josh Jones is a position of need, but you've got him rated as the top available offensive tackle, and ideally you'd like to pick that guy between 30 and 40 on the board, take the, top, the guy you got the top 10 grade on. Let's worry about fitting these pieces of the puzzle together in a few years. That's the long-term vision that I'd like the Dolphins to approach this 2020 NFL draft to. Don't just marry yourself to checking boxes. Would I be disappointed if they came out of the first round without an offensive lineman? Absolutely. And that brings us to 26. What would make me mad online at 26? It's not a direction aside of corner and tight end. It's more personnel. There's some buzz that Georgia offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson may be a guy for who's going to contend to go in the first round of this year's NFL draft. 6'7", 340 pounds, redshirt sophomore. He's a young pup, and he's big. And Miami, if they're going to follow what Chan Gailey's tackles look like in the New York Jets system and what the Bill Belichick offensive tackles, Trent Brown modeled, what those offensive tackles look like, big dudes are going to be on the radar in a big way for the Miami Dolphins at offensive tackle. Which is why I think Mekhi Becton's their top choice. It's a gut feeling. I don't have anybody telling me that. But Isaiah Wilson, I could see being a popular choice for the Dolphins because he's big, long, mauler, tone setter up front. He's just so raw. If you told me we were picking him at 56, I'd get it. At 39, I'd be mad. If you take him at 26, I'll be triggered. I'll hope for the best. Because that's all we can do. And I'll understand and I'll tell you guys why they did it. It's because of his play style and what his strengths and weaknesses are. But man, yeah, that's a, it's a lot of faith to put into your coaching staff that they're going to get him together in a short order. Because if you're drafting an offensive tackle at 26, your expectation is this guy's going to be a starter. And he's going to be a starter quickly. I don't think Isaiah... Wilson is particularly close to stepping into the starting role. I'd be upset if Ezra Cleveland was the left tackle that they chose. Another developmental guy, 6'6", 3'10", super athletic, kind of goes against the mold, uh, the Mahler mold 
that I'm anticipating they're going to pursue. But uh, Ezra Cleveland is another name. Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland at offensive tackles. Austin Jackson to a lesser degree. Um, Jackson, 6'6", 310. He's very raw. All right, we talked a little bit about Austin Jackson when we did building the offensive tackle big board for the Dolphins. Um, but when he, gets, when he gets on bodies, he's very good. Uh, the problem is he doesn't frame his blocks all that well. His footwork, hand placement, and punch timing all need to be improved. I think he's best off in zone systems where he can move, but he's a big guy, so I could see Miami taking the shot and saying, well, all the functional power is there. We just need to unlock it. So if the, if the high-price investment at offensive tackle for the Dolphins is Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, or Ezra Cleveland, I'll be a little triggered. I'll get it, and we'll get through it together. We'll come off the ledge together. I would still be disappointed with a running back at 26, especially after the Jordan Howard signing. This is not to say, like, J.K. Dobbins for me is a top 20 grade. DeAndre Swift's a top 25 grade. Jonathan Taylor's a top 40 grade. Clyde edwards a top 50 grade. Like, there's good backs, and in a vacuum, they're some of the best players in this class. But you get into such a moral conflict with how you invest your assets when you're passing over other positions that get premier pay and are less easily replaceable than running backs. And I know that feels very odd for us to say as Dolphins fans because if you watched a single rep of the Dolphins running game in 2019 – It didn't feel like they were replaceable. Some of that was the offensive line. Some of that was the running back talent. I thought Mark Walton, when he had the chance to step in behind Kenyon Drake, after Drake was traded, he did well for a few weeks before he got suspended and and fell back into some poor decision-making in his personal life that cost him his second chance with the Dolphins. Kenyon Drake... You know, bless him. Dolphins fans were sad to see him go. I was sad to see him go. But if we're being honest with each other, Kenyon Drake was about as bad of a fit from a personnel perspective as you could possibly get. If he was going to work, he was going to work with Adam Gase. And it seemed like Adam Gase gravitated towards him to get J.H.I. off the team and then put Drake in the doghouse in his place and never got back out of it. The Dolphins running the football did not have offensive linemen capable of resetting the line of scrimmage, creating clear and obvious holes, and they used a lot of heavy personnel, a lot of tight ends, a lot of fullbacks. Guess what? Kenyon Drake needs space to work because Kenyon Drake is at his best when he can get out into space. He can stretch outside the tackle. You've stretched the field horizontally. Kenyon Drake probably would have been a better fit in this offense from a spacing perspective, but even still, Miami now wants to run downhill, run between the tackles. Drake was capable of doing it, but Drake liked to bounce. He liked to get outside. He liked to look for big plays. He liked to make that guy miss in the hole. But it's too much time stationary in which he's doing it. didn't hit holes with authority, and that's what we need in this new Miami Dolphins offense. So that's why Jordan Howard is a good signing, even at two years, nine, whatever million dollars is what he signed for. If we didn't have Jordan Howard, Jonathan Taylor would make a ton of sense. 
But because we do, I think the other guys make more sense because you got guys Swift, Dobbins, Edwards, Hilaire, catch the ball out of the backfield. Edwards, Hilaire is, is arguably the best pass catching back out of the backfield. And he's got the lateral quickness to make a guy miss in the hole. Dobbins is a little bit of a step down in the receiving aspect of his game, but I think he's more dynamic, he's more explosive, he's my top running back in this class. But even still, I would be upset if they chose to go that route in the first round. It would trigger me just a little bit. To wrap up today's show, I want to talk about some, ready for it, pods and ends. (laughs) Dolphins puns. Uh, I have the final numbers from the three separate two-round mock scenario. The Joe Burrow at one, the two at three, and the Herbert at five scenario. Two at three brought home 59% of the vote. Herbert at five brought in 24% of the vote. And Joe Burrow at one brought in 17% of the vote. Here's the silver lining to me. Is I feel like a couple months ago, the Herbert at five would have been like 2%. (laughs) This fan base did not want Justin Herbert at all. And I have had some really nice feedback from, from listeners who have said, you know, you've done a nice job kind of opening our minds to whatever comes down the alley. And that's all I can hope to do. It's because I, I've said it many times. I do not know what the Dolphins are going to do. I'm not going to pretend to know what the Dolphins are going to do. But that's why I'm going to take it at every angle. Not to say I told you so. I might say I told you so if they don't end up drafting Tua just because it's been such a, a popular beating of the war drum for the last four months. But I'm not, I'm not doing this to cover my basis to say, well, if you listen to such and such date, I talked about this scenario. It's more along the lines of, I want the fan base to be receptive to whatever the outcome is and give it a fair chance. Because the trend that I was seeing was a lot of Justin Herbert was not even being given a chance because there was a comp to Ryan Tannehill that was thrown out early in the process. And that's... If Miami chooses to go that route and they don't learn their lesson from what Ryan Tannehill taught them this past decade, then that's on them. But Ryan Tannehill is a great example of... He literally went to Tennessee and had success over 12 games. Small sample size... But that's the blueprint. And Miami playing in South Florida with that humidity and that home field advantage from a weather perspective, the the engineering of the stadium is brilliant so that the sun is hitting the opposing sideline. And that's the last part of the field the sun touches in that stadium. It's the opposing team sideline. You got to try and wear guys out. That's why I like the Brian Flores brand a little bit. Physical. Hard-nosed football. So I'm glad to see Justin Herbert... uh, at least getting some respectable numbers in the poll, 24% receptive to him being the ideal scenario. And that probably stems a lot from keeping the picks too, right? Like that's, that has been an area that I have been pounding. Keep your picks. Don't trade up to three. If you're going to trade up to one and get weird, uh, that's where we're going to finish today. Because Cameron Wolf, who is the awesome Miami Dolphins beat reporter for ESPN, uh, explored yesterday how realistic a trade for Joe Burrow with Cincinnati could actually be for the Dolphins. And they said it's minuscule, but it is technically still possible. 
And there was a source in there that, that had an interesting quote. This is what uh, Cameron Wolf wrote. Some league executives told ESPN that a borough trade with Miami is unlikely given that all goes into it, but it is not impossible. The Dolphins like Burrow a lot, according to sources. Plus, this is where it gets interesting, Burrow would be happy to play in Miami if it works out that way, another source said. So Joe Burrow having some positive feelings towards the Miami Dolphins team is nice, just like the free agents, right? You know, there was worry throughout the course of this 2019 season of Oh my God, well, what happens if the Dolphins tank and they get the first pick and the quarterback doesn't want to play here because the team's bad? That's like, well, mission accomplished because we get a top five pick and there seems to be no concern the presumptive number one pick in the draft would like, would be happy, quote, happy to play for the Miami Dolphins. That's great. That's good news for us. What is it going to take to get there? That's a whole different scenario. And it feels like the most realistic way that we get there at this point is if Joe Burrow does decide to Eli Manning the Bengals in the midnight hour. If Burrow likes the idea of playing in Miami and does not like the idea of playing for Cincinnati, this is what he said at the Combine. He says, I'm not going to not play. I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to show up. It's not exactly a resounding vote of confidence for Cincinnati, but he effectively said, I'm not going to no hold out or anything like that. If he changes his mind and changes his tune, that might be the Dolphins' best case scenario if that's the guy that they are fully committed to going out and getting. Don't think we need to necessarily worry about that as imminent right now, but as I've continued to say on this podcast, we just need to be ready for anything because we truly have no idea what directions the going the Dolphins are going to go. They have done a really nice job of throwing everybody off their scent. They're keeping everybody on their heels. And it's good. They haven't boxed themselves into a corner. And if the team has three quarterbacks that they feel good about, which is what's been reported, they got high grades on three. This is from Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network. Three high grades on quarterbacks and Tua, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Then let's do what, from a price point perspective, makes the most sense for the team. Go out and get our guy, and let's move forward. Just like we're going to move forward with the rest of our day today. It's going to do it for us today on the show. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Come back and see us again tomorrow. we got two more episodes again this week. We are two weeks away from the start of the 2020 NFL Draft. We're going to get through all these scenarios. We're going to do some deep dives into other positions that we haven't talked about yet. Lots to look forward to, so hit subscribe. Come on back. See me again tomorrow. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Dolphins. Hope to see you guys again tomorrow.